You're listening to The Basics of Life with Rob Salvato, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel Vista in Vista, California. These are the basics of life. Welcome to The Basics of Life Conversations. I'm Rob Salvato, and this is the interview edition of our program, where my role changes from Bible teacher to interviewer. In these episodes, I have the privilege of having some meaningful conversations about life, faith, and culture. Today on the Basics of Life Conversations, we are switching it up completely. We are talking hoops. I mean basketball. Specifically, we're talking Kobe Bryant in this segment, and we're calling it Pastors Talking Kobe. My guests today are fellow pastors Tony Clark and Tommy Cota, who, like myself, are longtime Laker fans and Kobe Bryant fans. You know, it's a little over two weeks after the tragic helicopter crash that took the lives of nine people, including Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna. The world mourned, the whole world mourned the news of his death. The crash occurred during our first service at church, so I didn't hear about it until after second service when I arrived home that day. And like so many, I I was just stunned. I didn't know what to say. I couldn't believe it. My heart goes out to all the families who lost loved ones, but especially 16-year-old Lexi Altabelli and her 29-year-old brother, J.J., who lost their mother, their father, their younger sister in the accident. Our prayers go out to the families of all nine victims. So here we are, two weeks after the tragic crash, and I wanted to talk with some friends of mine who are pastors, but who also love basketball and who have an admiration for the way that Kobe Bryant played the game. So this podcast is dedicated to remembering Kobe, the player. We'll wrap up this this podcast by hearing some thoughts from former Emmy Award-winning producer and senior manager at ESPN, Jason Romano. Jason has created and produced content for shows such as SportsCenter, Monday Night Football, Mike and Mike in the Morning, Sunday NFL Countdown, College Game Day, and the Major League All-Star Game. So we will hear from Jason at the end of our podcast, and we'll hear his thoughts on Kobe, the player. So now, here is my conversation about Kobe Bryant. All right, my next guest on the podcast today is my good friend, Tony Clark. And Tony is the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Newport News, Virginia. Welcome to the program, Tony. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. That's great. And uh, Tony and I go way back. Um, Tony was uh, here at Calvary Vista when I was on staff, and we used to play a lot of basketball together at a place called Bringle Terrace Park and I was kind of the outside sharpshooter and Tony was the kind of makeshift between Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant had some serious hang time back in the day yes those were some good old days my air game has long been grounded yeah I bet what'd you weigh back then anyway oh I was I was just a few years out of the Marine Corps so I was yeah, I was a lot slimmer back in those days. <laughs> Lean and mean, uh, that's for sure. Oh, but yes, uh, but you I could was. play some ball. You could play some ball. 
Yeah, I was I was pretty good back in those days and um, enjoyed the game so much, so very much. And then, you know, I was a, I became a student of the game as well. So. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it was some good old days. Well, I, I, I have to admit, I always enjoyed playing on your team. Um, not so much playing against you, though. Um, oh. <laughs> but I enjoyed playing with you, except you never passed the ball. That was the only thing. Well, you know, I, th- those days I just thought I never saw a shot I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, hey, we are talking Kobe Bryant, and I know you're a longtime Laker fan like myself. So um, what what are some of your favorite Kobe moments? Uh, You know, one of the things that I loved about uh, Kobe was his determination and his drive. It, It reminded me so much of Michael Jordan. And, um, and then it reminded me of, you know, of myself, that same type of drive for excellence, that drive for, to be the best. And, um, I resonated with him. It reminded me of how David and Jonathan's soul was knit to each Mm -hmm. other. I was immediately, um, just knit with him because I saw a similar drive, uh, within myself. Yeah. And that's one of the things, too, that I mentioned um, that I really resonated with him as well. That work ethic, that drive um, that I I have that same kind of thing built in me. It's probably why we like each other so much, Tony. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Any uh, particular games or, uh, you know, particular moves that he had that you, you know, just really enjoyed watching? Well, you know, one of the things that made him stand out so much is because, you know, and because we're similar in age and with every age, there's a player that comes along and we say, hey, you know, no one is going to be better than, you know, uh, Dr. J. And then then, you know, all of a sudden uh, Jordan came along. Oh, no one. He's the greatest ever. No one can be like a Jordan. And then Kobe came along. He's the closest thing to Jordan we have ever seen to the point where now stories are coming out where Jordan uh, where Jordan tells that Kobe said, hey, you're lucky that you were not in your prime at the same time I was in my prime. He said, I would have bust you up. <laughs> and I'm like, who says that to Jordan? Yeah, right. So, yeah, so that right there. And so to see see someone that close to Michael Jordan uh, was, we've always made comparisons over the years, but no one has come close. Jordan has been the standard. And then Kobe came along who came so very close. So all of his moves and things reminded us uh, of Jordan. And um, of course, you know, the, the 81 point game, um, people fail to realize that his greatest game was against the Dallas Mavericks where he scored 65 points in three quarters. That's crazy. That was his greatest game. They think the 81 game was it. No, 65 and three quarters. And he set out the fourth quarter. Right. So that, that right there, he, that year was really a very special uh, year watching him. And then to see them, of course, uh, go back to back to back, um, you know, uh, with Shaq and that just, 
um, just was amazing. That endeared him to to everyone. And what's interesting, too, about, you know, the 81 point game, the 61 point game that you're talking about um, is that, you know, when Wilt scored 100 and everybody thought, I mean, that was incredible. And that is an incredible feat for one player to score 100 points. But back then, I mean, Wilt's the biggest guy on the floor. The lane is narrower than it is today. So he literally could just stand under the basket and they'd throw it up to him and he, you know, would dunk. Kobe's having to work like hard for every single basket in yeah. in both of those games um, yeah, where no he, doubt. yeah, I mean, it's, it's just incredible, the, the output. And have you seen recently that, or have you seen that video that's come out recently where um, they take Michael and his moves and then Kobe doing the exact same moves? Have oh, you seen it, that? It is mind boggling <laughs> to watch that video. That right there, and for them to compile that together and able to show their exact—we're talking about the exact moves on the exact point on the on the floor. I mean, it was like you—you yeah. you could tell Kobe had studied Michael very, very intently. Yeah, yeah, he was a—he was definitely uh, not only a great player with skills, but he was a student of the game, and he could talk it philosophically and that was we can see that with that particular video uh that you you're referring to incredible video yeah and you know one of the things too about um kobe that i really appreciated was the fact that he was such a hard worker and every single year he perfected something new in his game like he would come into the the next season with all of a sudden now he's shooting left-handed jumpers and um, you know, because he practiced that all summer long and just looking to perfect that. And that's something you don't see a lot today in guys who are um, really, really gifted and really, really talented that they put in all that extra work in order to just get better and better at what they do. And Jordan was the same way. He had that same type of work ethic. He, you know, look to perfect his game. I really appreciate that about both those guys a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Kobe, uh, you know, he did it because he learned uh, from Michael. Michael said back in 1995, he was no longer able to jump from the free throw line in. So it was during that time that a person who, who, who was gifted like that, they know that those God given gifts began to diminish. So you have to work on other aspects of your game because you can't go in there dunking on people like you used to and taking that punishment. So you develop a jump shot, you develop a baseline turnaround, fade away. You develop those things because you know those other high flying God given gifts are going to be able to they're going to diminish with age. And so Kobe did the same thing. He learned from Michael. He learned he studied his footwork. He even did something that is unusual. He even worked out with Hakeem Olajuwon on his footwork in the paint. Right. And he was able to now begin to do moves up and under and duck up under and footwork and things because he know that that high flying act that he had is it, those begin to diminish as you get older. And so that was what you call a student of the game. He saw Michael do it. And when it began to happen to him, he started implementing that in his game as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a great spiritual principle in that for us who are believers in the sense that, 
you know, in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we are to always be growing and we're always to be in that place where we never feel like we've arrived, but we're, you know, there's always more to learn, more to grow, deeper to, to get. And you take somebody, I, I believe, is the greatest you know, Christian who's ever lived, Paul the Apostle. And Paul yeah. would say in Philippians chapter 3 that he laid aside everything that he was related to his past. But then he says, I continue to lay, aside, lay it aside that I might press on for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection yeah. and the fellowship of his suffering, that I might lay hold of the reason why Jesus has laid hold of me. And so you see in Paul that example that I think is really for all of us, that heart that says, I want to, till the day that I die, till the day that the Lord takes me home, I want to always be growing in my relationship with Christ and growing in my depth and my understanding of his grace and his knowledge. And, um, and, and that's the way that we all should be as Christians. Amen. Oh, I think you, you hit the nail on the head right there. That right there is the, is the crux of this whole thing. We have to grow like in Second Peter three eighteen, growing the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the thing about that drive uh, that I always excel to be the best uh, in whatever sport or whatever. Now that of course those God given gifts are no longer there, that I brought that into my Christian walk, and Paul did the same thing. Uh, you know, tradition said that Gamaliel said that the only problem he had out of Paul, he couldn't supply him with enough books. <laughs> and so that same drive he used to persecute Christians, he brought into his walk with the Lord. And he it was just how he was wired. He went after Christ to where, like you said, he is the greatest Christian because he said, look, I'm the chief of sinners. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, if you want to know who's the chief, I'm it. I'm it. All of you guys who are coming after me are under me. I'm the chief. And so he went after Christ with that same reckless abandonment that he went after killing Christians. He brought it into that zeal uh, for Christ. And so that's a great, great analogy you brought up. Yeah. Well, Tony, um, we're almost uh, out of time here, but any last thoughts about Kobe that you'd like to um, share here on our podcast? You know, one of the things that stood out to me, it was a story that that Shaq told, um, you know, the beef between uh, Shaq and Kobe and why Shaq left and, you know, yeah. the Lakers and all that. Uh, Shaq tells a story. He said this is how the beef ended. He said that they were in the All-Star game together and they were co-MVPs of the All-Star game. And he said Kobe told him. Look, man, you keep the trophy. Give the trophy to your son, Sharif. He said that when Kobe did that and gave that MVP trophy to him and said, give this mm -hmm. to your son, he said he knew. He said, this is a different dude. He said, I need to squash this beef. Whatever we got going on, I need to squash it. And I'm going to squash it now because this dude is a different kind of dude. And when I heard that story, there are many other stories that Shaq, uh, that Kobe did behind the scenes that no one even knew about. It really endeared me to Kobe even more. Yeah. 
And now those two, um, I mean, they had such a great relationship. And I think uh, Kobe was even mentoring Shaq's son. And uh, oh, yeah. 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 And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really, it was really neat to see how that all came back together. Um, yeah. Well, Tony, thanks so much for taking the time to be on our program today and sharing your thoughts about Kobe Bryant with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. And, uh, you know, we could easily go in a whole nother hour, you know, talking about basketball and how the parallels with the Christian walk. And it's just a beautiful thing. So thank you for having me. Hey, one last question I have for you, though. Um, you think they should change the NBA, the NBA icon to Kobe from Jerry? Yes. I yes. agree. I think they should as yeah. well. I think that would be really, think, really awesome. I think that's a, a great gesture there. It would have been Jordan and the jump man, but Nike took a hold of that emblem. But now it's time, you know, to, to change that emblem uh, to, to Kobe. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks, buddy. Love you. Have a great day. Love you too. Thank you so much. All right, my next guest is uh, Tommy Coda, the pastor of Hope Alive Church in Santa Ana, California. And uh, welcome to the program, Tommy. Hey, what's going on? How you doing, Rob? Good, good. Thanks for joining us today to talk some hoops and to talk Kobe Bryant. And uh, you have been a Laker fan for a long time, right? I have. I I remember my... Just with my family members, it was, must have been uh, in the it was in the early '80s. I must have been about 11 years old, 10, 11 years old, and and uh, it was right in when the Showtime era, Magic Johnson and Kareem, and just watching them just uh, run up and down that court. And I fell in love with basketball. Fell in love with the Lakers. Being from Los Angeles County, that was kind of a must. But um, yeah, I just really got turned on to basketball at that time. It was awesome. Now, did you play? I did play, you know, in school, I did play, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, a lot of the taller guys were, um, you know, blocking a lot of my shots and everything, but I enjoy, I, I, I still play whenever I get a chance and everything, but I, I love the game and, uh, especially being a fan of the game as well. Yeah. So you are a Kobe Bryant fan. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. You know, I remember, uh, you know, I was probably about 25 years old when he had come into the league. And I remember um, just the hype about this high school kid that's going to be um, entering into the draft, you know, and then when he gets traded to the Lakers, I remember that. I remember just like, man, this is going to be good. I remember watching his first game and, um, you know, watching some of the air balls he did probably because of, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember that, Rob, his yeah. first game he had a couple of air, air yep. balls and everything. Yep. Yeah, you know, all the nerves. But yeah, uh, ever since then, just been a you know, fan of Kobe Bryant and, um, and everything, you know, just and also I think, too, just kind of him being so young, you know, in the Lakers is like you really I started rooting for this guy, this kid to do well, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, so give me a couple of your favorite Kobe Bryant moments. Oh, man. OK, one really sticks out to me, but I, I'm going to share a couple um it was uh, it was during the finals, and I think it was his. You know, I think Shaq had fouled out, or, or something. Something was going on, but Kobe Bryant just took over the game in yes. the fourth quarter. You know, and um, you know that's that's one of my highlights of just that that game. You know, and him watching just go off. You know, and really bring the win for the Lakers. Yeah, he but was. My pers- 
Okay. I was just going to say he was so clutch. I mean, that was one of the things that was um, just so amazing about him. End of the game, ball in Kobe's hands. I mean, you just never knew. You knew you were not out of the game. I mean, you just never knew what yeah. was going to happen because he had that tenacity, that to, that will to win was so powerful where he could take over a game in the fourth quarter. I just saw him do that so many times. But you were going to say yeah. favorite moment, your favorite moment? Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and well, kind of on, on that too, Rob was like, it, it wasn't just like the, the Laker team that knew that Kobe Bryant was going to have the ball in his hands the last 10 seconds of the game. The whole NBA knew that Kobe Bryant was going to have the ball in the last 10 seconds of the game, and they would throw everybody at him, and he would still come in clutch, whether it was drilling the basket, you know, or, or you know, having the, uh, a key assist. You know, um, it was, you know, everyone knew that Kobe Bryant was going to have the ball, you know, the ball in his hands those last couple of minutes, you know, or seconds, actually. Yeah. But my ultimate, my ultimate favorite personal moment of Kobe Bryant on the court was um, 2010. Um, this was a, this was a year, I believe they went, they went to the NBA finals in 2010. Um, and, but this, it wasn't during the finals. It was actually on New Year's Day. It was January 1st, 2010. They had a game against the um, the Sacramento Kings there at Staples Center, and uh, my my whole family we had went and we're there watching and, and the whole game it seemed like the Lakers were just playing flat, you know they were trailing um, pretty much the whole game, and the there was like six seconds left on the clock or something like that, and the Lakers were down by two, right? Lakers have the ball. And so they inbound the ball. And just like what we mentioned, Kobe, the ball goes into Kobe Bryant's hands. He's got it like the last four seconds. He's dribbling and he steps back behind the three-point line and drills a winning three-point shot. They were down by two. He drilled a three-pointer from the corner to win the game. And and, and the whole thing is like, we're like, Kobe Bryant's going to he's gonna win this. He's going to win this. And and to hear, to be in that arena and to hear like the, the crowd kind of go silent for like a half a second while that ball is being released out of his hand as he shoots it. And then when you see nothing but net, this whole arena just erupts, you know, into, yeah. you know, just jubilation, you know, it was, just, it was crazy. It was one of the greatest sports moments. And that's another thing too, Kobe Bryant, as far as sports goes and basketball, he's provided some of the greatest sports moments ever. Yeah, big time. You know, um, they're going to, you know, they're historical. And, um, you know, so but for me personally, Kobe Bryant on the court, that's my most memorable to be in that arena, to watch Kobe Bryant win the game, last millisecond of that shot clock, go, you know, of the clock, the, uh, the, the clock of the game go, go down. That was uh that was amazing. Yeah, that that was yeah. an incredible game, incredible shot. He had yeah. so many like that. You know, one of my favorite moments, and it's kind of an odd one to be honest with you, because I don't think many people would pick this, but it just I just love it because it just shows his heart, is in the game when he blows his Achilles and he gets up, limps up to the free throw line and shoots his free throws. I mean, that <laughs> to me was just unbelievable yeah. because I don't know if you've yeah. ever blown an Achilles. I haven't, but everybody I've talked to who has says it is the most excruciating 
thing that you can go through. And for him to finish it off like that, um, just shows that and, and make them it actually and make and make them, them. yeah and make them both yeah. exactly <laughs> like to be able to and concentrate make, yeah. in the midst of all that pain um, absolutely yeah yeah that, yeah and I think you know a, a word you used a moment ago was tenacity and yeah. that really just shows that tenacity you know the will to just fight and and to win you know as an athlete you know and you know what about what about his last game yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly, I think that, you know, his 81 point game against Toronto, yeah. that was amazing. That was like unheard, you know, unheard of. I don't think anybody's ever going to accomplish that Never. again. You know, I, I really doubt it. Um, that was amazing. But I got to tell you, that last game of his career in Staples Center to drop 60 like he did, that, now that, I, it, I, that for sure, I don't think we'll ever see again. Yeah. You know, from someone in the twilight of their career, you know, um, go out like that. That was amazing. I don't think I've ever seen somebody be in such a zone as he was in that game. And, and like you're saying to go out my final game, I mean, it was like, it was, I don't know if it was his way of just saying like, look, I still got it, but I'm just ready to be done. You know, I mean, that was an incredible, incredible game. Yeah. It would have been like, you know, like kind of like, Oh, Hey, I'm, I'm fine with 15. I'm fine with 15 points, you know, a couple of assists or something like that. You know Um, no, he, he went out like he was, he played that game. I think he played that game as if he was playing the NBA finals yeah. game seven, you yeah. know, and, and that will to win. And um, yeah, just an amazing, amazing athlete, you know, um, one of a kind. Yeah, truly. That's for sure. Now, how old are you, Tommy? I'm going to be, uh, I'm 48. I'm going to be 49 here this year. 49. So did you yeah. get to see Jordan at all play when he was in his oh, prime? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, that, that's when I was, uh, when I was in high school. Okay. Um, yeah. Jordan watching Jordan play and, and, uh, you know, even, and also to see Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant go head to head, yeah. you know? Um, so who do you think was better? Oh man. You know, this is a, uh, this is a really good question. I think honestly, I, I'm going to, I, I've always been saying this. I think Kobe Bryant's better. Um, and I think a lot of it is I am a Homer. I'm a Laker fan, <laughs> diehard. So I'm go- always going to go that route. And, uh, but I think when you just look at this, the S the work ethic and, you know, I never got to see Kobe practice or anything. I never got to see him up, you know, at three thirty four in the morning, you know, shooting baskets, but I hear of all these stories of men, yeah. of people who actually witnessed that, you know, and, um, you know, I, I, I've never heard those stories really uh, of Michael Jordan. Now, maybe he has, uh, but I never really heard those stories. You know, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan was just a freak, just a natural freak. And he just, you know, go on the court and do his thing, you know. And, um, but I think I say Kobe Bryant because of that work ethic, you know, and if they were together head to head, you know, both of them in their prime, um, gonna have to, because of Kobe Bryant's work ethic, give the edge to, to Kobe on that. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people would debate you on that one. I think I'm still, uh, Jordan's the greatest of all time, but, um, on that work work ethic you're talking about, I was listening to a podcast just last week and they were talking about, um, some guy, I can't remember who it was. He's showing up at the gym at 6am in the morning and Kobe is just leaving and he's already been there two hours 
And uh, so that was his, that was his worth at work ethic. And, uh, you know, him and Jordan both had that killer instinct and they both, um, you know, just went at you with a great, you know, degree of, um, tenacity, but, uh, yeah, it would have been interesting if they both would have been playing in their, in their prime, um, but, uh, two, two great, great players and incredible athletes and, um, Tommy, I, I appreciate you taking the time today to uh, join us here on the Basics of Life uh, conversations and weighing in about uh, Kobe Bryant. Any final thought? You know, I, I do. Um, you know, it's been it's been nine days. You know, since uh, since Kobe Bryant had that you know horrible accident with nine others, or yeah. excuse me, eight others, and one of them including his daughter. And um, you know when. I heard of that tragedy, you know, it was, I was at church and I was right after, right after service, I heard of it and, you know, it was just tragic and, and it really caused me to think of um, the platform that Kobe Bryant had and the influence that he had on so many people other than sports, you know, he really, he really championed, of, you know, many other people and um, encouraged them, it was influential and inspirational and um, it got me to think about my own personal life and those that I get to to minister to um, as a pastor mm. and um, to encourage them that, you know, maybe one of my thoughts is this, I, I may never have a platform that Kobe Bryant has, you know, worldwide. Yeah. Um, but I do know that God has given me a platform as a pastor and as a, as a husband, as a dad and, um, and as a friend, and I can be influential and inspiring to them, you know, especially for the things of God and, and, um, you know, to do well and, and to never give up, you know, so it, that was, you know, that's one of the things that I've been just kind of thinking about these past couple of days, you know, it's just, mm. you know, I want to be inspiring and influential with people and, and, um, and I hope people are encouraged, you know, just by the life of Kobe Bryant, but uh, in a way where they can then also be influential in that sense as well. So, you know, yeah. those are my final thoughts. That's great. That's a great word. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, That's a great thing for us to kind of leave this conversation and just to be thinking about. So um, thanks for being on the program today, Tommy. Hey, Rob, thank you very much, man. God bless you. All right. See you. My next guest on the podcast is former Emmy award-winning producer and senior manager at ESPN and now current host at the Sports Spectrum podcast, Jason Romano. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. Rob, good to be with you. Thanks for having me. So we are talking Kobe Bryant today and specifically we're talking Kobe as a basketball player. And I got to ask, when you worked at ESPN, did you ever meet Kobe? You know, I never met him. Uh, he had been in the building at the same time I was because he filmed a couple of ESPN commercials, uh, but it was very secretive. I remember the second commercial that he filmed, which would be the um, he was at the vending machine with Rich Eisen and Stuart Scott. And nobody knew that Kobe even came until the next day. Wow. Uh, so it was kind of secret. They didn't want a, a big crowd around him, but I never did meet him. No, unfortunately, no. OK, well, we're talking favorite moments or favorite plays. And uh, do you have one or a couple? Yeah. So uh, I've gotten to see Kobe play in person um, two times. And the first time he played in New Jersey uh, when they were the Nets, still the New Jersey Nets, not the Brooklyn Nets. And it was with my brother and my my nephew. And it was just really neat to kind of see this 
you know, guy in his prime. This was around 2006, 2007, um, doing his thing. And then just a couple of years later, uh, in the NBA finals, I watched Kobe Bryant in person uh, in games five of the NBA finals against the Celtics. That was the year the Lakers wow. won, but the Celtics won the game that I went to game five. So they took a three, two lead. And then the Lakers ended up winning the last two um, to win the, the title. But I got to sit and watch Kobe Bryant on the biggest stage um, do his thing. He carried the Lakers and kept them so close in that game. I think he had 38 points wow. and the Celtics eventually won uh, because they were more balanced, at least in that game. But just watching the greatness in front of you, you know, yeah. I watched, I got to see LeBron play once when he was um, in Cleveland in 2016 in the finals. And I was just, you just appreciate it when you can stand there and you can sit there and you can really look at someone and say, I'm watching greatness right yeah. now in their prime. You know, Kobe at that time, I think was 31. And you just saw somebody who was in his prime uh, doing his thing. And it was, it was an honor really. Um, yeah. And I didn't appreciate it. Honestly, um, when I walked out of there, mm -hmm. I was just like, so glad the Celtics had won as a Boston Celtics fan. Uh, but I, I look back and I was grateful that I was able to see him in person. Um, you asked about a favorite play or specific game. Um, you know, the 81 point game was one that stands out for obvious reasons because of what he did. Uh, but his last game, yeah. I was in a hotel room um, in the Poconos of Pennsylvania with my wife and my daughter. And it was a 1030 start. So it was East Coast. And both of those two were long asleep. And I wanted to watch a little bit of Kobe in his last game. Yeah. And so I turned it on. It was like 1030, 1045, watching a couple minutes. And I couldn't turn it off. And I remember the next day being very tired. But I watched <laughs> him score 60 points in his final game just in awe. I couldn't believe yeah. that this guy, I've never seen an exit in that way in any sports game. I've seen some some players go out as champions. You think of, you know, Bill Russell, or you think yeah. of, uh, in, in football, you think of John Elway or, or Jerome Bettis, but I've never seen a guy in his final game, knowing he's retired at the, you know, well past his prime stage of his career, literally just not untap a little bit of magic, but all of the magic to bring back in one game to score 60. Yeah. Are you kidding me? And it was an awesome, really neat, uh, uh, experience that I never forget. I remember watching that game like it was yesterday and it was awesome. He was in such a zone that game. It was unbelievable. Um, <laughs> well, nobody saw that coming because no way. Expect, if he scored 30 points in his last game, he would have said that would be an amazing performance for his final game. Great job. Yeah. He, he only averaged about 17, I think his last year. Right. But 60, I like know. that just doesn't <laughs> happen. Crazy. So it was nuts. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. Now, did you ever get to see MJ live? Never, never. So my only Michael Jordan story really goes to well after his career was over and I saw him at a party at the Super Bowl and the, the room stopped when Michael Jordan walked in and I was like, what's going on? What's happening? <laughs> and everybody said, that's MJ. He's walked in. And so that's like the closest I've ever come to him. But I never saw him live. I regret that because I I could have and probably should have, mm. but I never did. Yeah. Uh, and I wish I wished I had. I saw my other heroes. I saw Larry Bird live in person a couple times, you know, I saw uh, cowboy games in the nineties, you know, in, in person, two thousands, but I never got to see, um, I never got to see Michael Jordan. I wish I did. I mean, I watched his career yeah, just like everybody else did. Uh, and it was incredible to watch, but I never saw him in person. So if you had to choose Kobe or Michael for the greatest of all time, who would you pick? 
Oh, see, it's the debate to me actually is LeBron versus Michael Jordan. But so I'll take Jordan in that question that you asked. This is not a knock on Kobe. And obviously it's sad what happened. And yeah. and I hate seeing what happened to him and his, his daughter and obviously the whole family that's left behind and all the other people that were right. lost in that terrible tragedy. Yes. But just from a pure basketball perspective, I'm not going to be a prisoner of the moment in that sense. Right. I'm going to stick to my guns. And I always say Jordan. I say Jordan over Kobe. I say Jordan over uh, LeBron. LeBron. Just because I, I just think what he was able to do in the time and the way that the basketball game was played is incredible. It's different now. Yeah. They call hand checks. Oh, you yeah. Can't, Big time. You can't get away with what teams got away with in the 80s and 90s. If Jordan played today, he might average 40 to 45 a game. That's Big how time. incredible yeah. he was. Yep. So I, I'll take Jordan. I, with all due respect to Kobe and his career and certainly LeBron too. Well, I'm a big time Laker fan, but I am in agreement with you. I've always said that I think Jordan is the greatest of all time. And especially for what you brought up, the era that he played in was just so much different than it is uh, today. But Hey, Jason, I thank you so much for spending time for us today and sharing your thoughts with us here on the basics of life conversations, your thoughts about Kobe Bryant, the basketball player. You're welcome, Rob. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Jason. Well, that concludes this special edition of our podcast today. And I want to thank you for joining us here on the Basics of Life Conversations. I also want to thank my guest pastors, Tony Clark and Tommy Cota, for sharing their thoughts and memories about Kobe Bryant. And I also want to offer a special word of thanks to our special guest, Jason Romano. Now, next month, we're doing a whole conversation with Jason, talking about his career at ESPN, his move to full-time ministry at Sports Spectrum, and his amazing book, Live to Forgive, Moving Forward When Those We Love Hurt Us. You are not going to want to miss this episode. Jason shares some powerful insights about learning to forgive and love his alcoholic and verbally abusive father. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. And until our next conversation, remember to keep the basics of your life simply Jesus. Jesus.